How many of you hoping your year runs a little smoother than that this year, most of us, yeah? It's great. Well, we're glad you're here. I wanna welcome you to Seacoast this weekend. Uh, it's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, a weekend that we take some time to pause and reflect on uh, his life and his legacy and what he fought for and uh, the advancements that he made. Uh, but we're glad that you guys chose to take some time to worship with us at Seacoast this weekend. My name's Josh. And, and I'm Lisa Surratt, and I am excited to be joining you guys this weekend. Um, found out just yesterday <laughs> Poor Josh has been really sick and so has not had much of a voice. So yesterday we were, uh, as he was getting ready to come in, I, I was reading through his message and, um, and for him because he literally had no voice. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> so I uh, decided to jump in and join him. So it's going to be a little raw. We're going to have a little fun. That's okay. Great. She, she read it to me. I was like, dang, girl, you can preach this thing. I tried to get off the weekend altogether, but... Um. <laughs> Not quite, not quite. Well, listen, we want to give a shout out to all of our campuses um, who are joining us and those of you who are joining us online. We're so glad that you are also part um, of this weekend. This weekend for Seacoast is a really special weekend. Um, a very special person has a birthday. And right. my dad, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, has a birthday this weekend. So he's here somewhere. Give him a hug. I don't even know if he likes hugs or not, but give him one anyways. Uh, wish him a happy birthday. And it's amazing to think, 30 years ago, he and my mom uh, brought our family down here to Charleston with a vision to plant a church. And all of our lives, even if you're here for the very first time, uh, have been impacted uh, because of that decision and because of what they've done. But not only the Seacoast and all of our campuses have been impacted, but we also have a church planning organization that he started about 15 years ago called The Ark and uh, have planted 770-some churches now through the Ark. Three brand-new Ark churches are planning this weekend. That's uh, so. right. We've got Grove Community Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, Legacy Church in Pequot Lakes, Minnesota. Who knew there was a Pequot Lakes? And then the Ark Church in Salina, Kansas. What an honor it is for all of us to be part of planting life-giving churches all across the United States, and it's all based on legacy and just the the calling that uh, Pastor Greg had um, to see that happen. So it's incredible right. to see what he's, yep. what's, what's going on. So cool. Uh, let's jump into the message, though. How many of you, uh, and there's no guilt, no condemnation, we're in church, you can tell the truth, but how many of you have never driven a manual transmission vehicle? You've just never done that before. Just raise your hand, okay? Uh, not very many people here. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I know in the upstate there are a lot fewer hands that are up, but, but if you've never driven a manual transmission vehicle. It's, it's a little harder than it looks, maybe. Uh, first, first time you glance, my second vehicle that I ever owned was a, a stick shift, a manual transmission, and it was a, uh, a Chevy Nova. You guys know what I'm talking about? The guys are like, yeah, that's an awesome car. You know, that's because you're thinking of this. You're thinking of like the 60s version of the Chevy Nova. Mine was a 1985. Um, they brought it back for a couple of years. It was more like that. And... Um, it did have tires on it, but that was my car uh, back. No joke, same color and all. Yeah, that's when I met Lisa. I was driving that. That's right. Now, if you can just picture Josh with um, bleach blonde hair that he chose to dye, and um, Not kind of we're just talking about the car. Kind of a 1985 hairstyle, like um, sort of the mullet, you know. It was says a lot about good, your decision babe. making that looking you good. you decided to marry me, but. <laughs> But I was thinking, uh, you, you know, she needs to learn how to drive a stick shift. You know, if I'm going to marry this girl, she needs to, she needs to have that in her, in her bag. And so I taught her how to, use, how to drive one of these things. Who knew that driving a stick shift was like, 
you know, on the qualifying list for marriage material. Well, you know, some of us have standards. Okay. And so um, I took her up to North Charleston and uh, we went to this empty parking lot and I was gonna teach her to drive a stick shift. That was the goal. So we're, you know, having fun, going through this parking lot, stalling that thing out. Um, yeah, it was, it was a day. It was fun. We, <laughs> I stalled it out probably, <clears throat> I don't know, six or eight times and <clears throat> finally was getting the hang of it. And, um, and then we went over speed bump, and um, I got the front tires over and didn't quite make the back tires. And so then I stalled out and um, tried again and again, and 12 times later could not <coughs> get over the speed bump. And I was getting so frustrated, and Josh was like, it's fine, don't worry about it. I'll just, let's switch seats. I'll get you over the speed bump, and then we'll just keep keep practicing, and I was just so mad. I was like, I just want to get over this. So that was kind of one of our first fights. Yeah, it was awesome. Intense fellowship over the speed bump. But, so we did change places. I had to get it over that hill. And, uh, but she did learn how to drive a stick shift, so I'm proud of her for that. What's that? (laughs) I said, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah, she did learn, she got it. But here's the deal, if you've you've never driven one before, the the biggest challenge when you're going over, or when when you're learning to drive one of these vehicles is, is first gear. Would you agree with that? When you're going from the car's not moving anywhere from neutral into first gear, that's where you have the most challenges. And, and it may look easy, but it's actually pretty complicated to figure that whole thing out. Because what you have is you've got this gear shift, right? That's in your right hand. And so, by the way, I think every like 15, 16 year old should learn to drive on a stick shift because you can't talk on your cell phone or text when you're trying to drive one of these things. So you've got this in your right hand, you're, you're holding onto the steering wheel with your left hand, and you've got three pedals now. Like, so most cars have two, right? Well, you've got the, the clutch on the left that your left foot is operating the clutch, and your right foot is operating the gas pedal. And so literally, you've got all four of your extremities that have to kind of choreograph this thing together to get it right. And if you take the clutch off too soon before you get enough gas, you stall the car out. And that's obviously what was happening in the video that we saw. Well, you throw a hill into the equation, you throw a little bit of resistance into it, now you're working the brake and the, you know, it's just, it's difficult, it's, it's challenging, and first gear is the most important gear. It's, it, you go faster in first gear, you have more acceleration, uh, you don't drive actually faster, but you accelerate faster in that gear than any other gear, but you often mix it up, and I think the same is true for us in our lives. That as, we, as we think about our year, and we're doing this series right now called shift, and, and the idea is that we wanna see all of us as a church, we wanna see us as individuals shift into a new gear this year. Maybe there's some areas of your life that you feel are stuck, and we wanna, wanna move into the new, new, new uh, direction and shift into a new gear. And we thought that was a great title for the series, um, until Christmas Eve. Some of y'all were at this service at Christmas Eve, and it was awesome. Uh, we had a candlelight and uh, just the presence of God was in the house and your grandma was here. Uh, your kids were sitting in the service with you and um, it was peaceful. It was a moment and we blew out our candles and then I proceeded to invite you uh, to the series that we were gonna do in January that was called Shift and uh, I did invite you to that series but I, there was a silent F in the, the uh, version that I gave you. And uh, so this was that moment. Our video team screen grabbed it. Look at Lisa. <laughs> Pretty much a picture of our marriage. The sheer, the sheer shock and horror came on my face. It was just, it was not, it was not in my control. Yeah, that might become my profile pic. That's just. That's. 
So let's be honest, single, this is the real reason I'm up here. He's just on probation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so uh, let's get rid of that. But what I want to... <laughs> What I wanna ask you for is grace. Uh, this is our fourth service, and who knows what might come out of my mouth. But, uh, just believe the best, and, um, and we'll, we'll be great. But, but we do, we wanna see all of us move into another gear. And chances are, at the beginning of the year, you've probably thought a little bit about maybe areas of your life that you'd like to see some breakthrough in, or that you'd like to see kind of shift into a new gear. And, but, but, but I wanna do this weekend is before we get into all of those things, and we're gonna have a great series. We're gonna talk about some specific things that will make some shifts in our lives in. But, but, but this weekend, I want us to focus on first gear. I want us to focus on what we do first. Because not, not only does what we do for, first say a lot about our lives, about what's important to us and about what's a priority for us, but it also impacts all the rest of our life. In fact, Jesus said this as he was doing a teaching, one of his most famous teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what are we gonna drink? Or what are we gonna wear? Isn't it interesting that they had the same kinds of challenges back then that we have today? You know, where's, where's the money gonna come from to put food on the table? Or what, what am I gonna wear? And all, th- these questions, he says, don't, don't spend time thinking about that stuff. Don't worry about that stuff. The pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need him. And, and then, then he says something profound. And I want us to read this together, if we could, even at all of our campuses. And I'm looking at you, North Charleston. I want you guys to read it with us. But seek first his kingdom. A lot of times when we read it, uh, we move our lips and say it out loud. So let's try that again. <laughs> Reading it all together. I know y'all were with us, North Charleston, a little slow in Mount Pleasant today. So we're gonna make it happen. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. What things? The things that you're worried about. The things that you're anxious about. He says, there's an, there's an order. And I know there's a lot that you've got coming at you this year. Some of you have major decisions that you have to make that impact lots of people. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't put those things in the wrong place. Seek me first. Put, put me in my proper place. And all those things are gonna they're gonna work out. Does that mean you're not gonna have any problems this year or you're not gonna have any trials? Of course not. Man, we have no idea what things we might face this year. But Jesus is saying, if you'll get the order right and if you'll, you'll get first gear right, then, then the other stuff is gonna ultimately fall into its rightful place. You know, God said this, the very first commandment, right? And the 10 commandments is, is what? I mean, Lisa, you wanna read it to us. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And you know, as we think about that, I want you to think about <coughs> what are some of the gods in your life? What, what are the, some of the things that you prioritize above God, above your relationship with God? You know, I think um, God, he's the alpha and the omega. He has no interest in being second or third or fourth in our lives. He, he wants to be first. And so as we think about how can we do, make some shifts in our life and in how we live our lives um, to, to make God first, um, let's just talk about why, why is first so important. First thing is, I think first sets the tone. It sets the tone. Think about it. Think about how your morning begins. Um, there's a big difference, right, between the morning where you wake up 
your alarm goes off, you get up, you have a cup of coffee, maybe you have a little quiet time, maybe you, you watch the morning show, you get a shower in, and, and <coughs> then the rest of the day, it's going to be a good day, right? You're on time, everything is going well. Um, and then you have the other type of morning where you maybe forgot to set your alarm. Maybe you uh, slept through your alarm, and what happens? You wake up in a panic. You, you jump out, and it's like your hair's on fire, just running around, trying to get uh, all, you know, trying to hopefully grab a cup of coffee before you have to rush out the door. Um, and so it's just a huge difference in the kind of day. You're just trying to catch up all day long. And so what you do first, it matters. It sets the tone for yeah. your whole day. I wonder if you've thought about that. What do you do first in the morning? You know, have you realized that that actually can set a tone for the rest of your day? I read an article this week in Fast Company, and it was, a, it was an article where there were about four different executives from successful companies, and the writer was interviewing each of these four to find out from them what, 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 what makes you successful. You know, what are the keys to success? And it was fascinating to me because the, the thing that jumped out in all four of them, they all said that what they do in the first hour of their workday was very, very important to them. That, that they, they were very intentional about that. Now, they all did different things because they had different priorities, but it was interesting because none of them, none of the four would check their email in the first hour of their workday. And they said because if they do, it kind of sets them off to be reactionary throughout the day, to kind of be reacting to the things that are coming at them. And so one of the guys said, when I come in, the first thing I do is I walk through the office and I, I you know, speak to the different departments and talk to people. I wanna connect with my employees. Another guy said, the very first thing I do every single day is I call one of the clients, one of the customers, because I wanna be reminded that every day what we do is about the client, and it's about the customer. But, but it was fascinating because it just verified what God's word already says is that the first thing that we do matters a lot. And so what's first for you? What's setting the tone for your life? Not only does first set the tone, but what's first, it also implies more. And this is really uh, talking more about spiritual things, but think about this. If, if I give you the number one, number one can stand on its own. But when I say first, I'm implying that there's a second, that there's a third, you know, there's a fourth. First is actually a statement of faith. It's a statement of belief that there's more, that God wants to do more. And it's interesting to me, right after God had delivered the people, the children of Israel out of Egypt and they had crossed over the Red Sea, they were kind of establishing themselves as a people. They'd gone from being slaves to now they're, they're landowners, or not, not yet, they're wandering in the wilderness, but they, they have livestock, they, they have animals. And God gives them a very peculiar set of instructions. He says this in Exodus 13, 12. He says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Now, that, that is a very interesting thing to command them. This is before the 10 commandments even. <coughs> Why would he do that? Why would God say, hey, I want, every time a, a, a female sheep opens the womb for the first time and has a, has a baby, I want that baby to be sacrificed and offered to me. You know, if I'm one of these guys, I'm thinking, you know, um, wh what if she only has one? <laughs> like, that, 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 you know, like, why not offer the fourth or the fifth baby? But, but he says, I want you to do the first one. And the reason he does is because it's a statement of faith. It's, it's a reminder of what God has done for them. And it's saying, hey, I know that, that w when I give you the first, that you're gonna provide everything that I need. 
And God knew that there would come a day where they would move into a new land and that they would become very successful. They'd become good at some of these things. Maybe they would begin to believe that they were the ones that were the source of the provision. And God says, no, I want you to trust me because when you put God first, it's a statement of faith and it's, it's a statement of trust. And I love what, what God said to him. He said, by the way, when you do this, people are gonna notice. And he says, in the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, your son is gonna notice. And he's gonna come to you one day and he's gonna say, dad, I don't know if you even know. You got this kind of weird habit that you do. Uh, you kind of kill the first animal every time it's, uh, you know, the, the first is born. And uh, you know, why do you do that? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. And God says, when that happens, take advantage of that opportunity to say, you know what, son? We, we didn't always have land and we didn't always have livestock. You know, there was a day that we were slaves and with his strong arm, our God delivered us from slavery and he gave us everything that we have. And so son, absolutely, it is a pleasure to give him the first of what we get because we would have nothing if it weren't for him and he's gonna give us even more. And, and I love that principle because when we make God first in our life, people are gonna notice. Even you, maybe you're here and you're starting a new year differently. Maybe church isn't a normal rhythm for you, but you're doing it right now. And, and I'm gonna tell you, your friends are gonna notice. They're gonna go, hey dude, why are you doing that? Why, why, why? And it's a great opportunity to say, you know what, some things are changing in my life and God is doing something in my life. I love having these conversations with my son, Miles. He's 10 years old, he's old enough now to kind of know, we talk to him about tithing and giving God the first of our income, which is a, a priority for us. And he'll be like, why do you do that? You know, that's, that's, that's wow, you know? And it's like, man, son, if you only knew, if you only knew the slavery that, that your dad was caught up in, and if you only knew what my life was like before God intervened and set me on a new path. And so, man, it is a great privilege and pleasure for me to do this. And it, it, not only does it impact my life, but it begins to have a generational impact in our families, that they'll learn to, to trust God. So first, it implies more, it sets the tone, and the last one, Lisa. Is first requires sacrifice. You know, it's not really a sacrifice if you're giving God what's left over. Maybe you're giving him leftover time Maybe you crash into bed and you finally are like, oh, I, I should maybe, not to say that that, you know, God just wants to spend time with you. But when we give him our leftover energy, our leftover resources, our leftover, it's, it makes a statement that it's not as much priority as some other things in our life. And so anything that is worthwhile is gonna cost you something, right? Anything worthwhile doing is gonna cost you something. So as we think about how can we put God first this year in our lives, I wanna I want make sure we don't mislead you because it's not gonna be easy. It is gonna require some sacrifice. And we're gonna talk about four things um, that, that aren't complicated, they're very simple, but they do require some sacrifice. Yeah, and I, I love that though because I think most of us recognize, man, you think about that feeling when you first got your first paycheck, you know? And it's like a feeling of, man, I worked, I sacrificed for something. And I love David's attitude in the Old Testament in 2 Samuel. David, who was the king of Israel, he wanted to make a sacrifice to God. 
And so he was gonna buy a field and make a sacrifice to God in this field. And the field owner came to him and he was being very generous and he said, you know what I wanna do? I wanna give you this field and I actually wanna give you the oxen that you need and the wood that you need so you can make this sacrifice. And I love the way David responded. It's like some of you when you're out to dinner and somebody tries to buy your dinner and you're like, no, I'm buying, you know, this fight breaks out. But David has one of these moments with this, this landowner. He says in 2 Samuel 24, but the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. He says, I'm not bringing a sacrifice to God that didn't cost me something. And I love that verse, I love that attitude. Uh, Tara Banks, who's our worship pastor here, she has that passage up in her, her office because she tells her team, hey, we're not gonna step on the platform having not prayed and prepared and sacrificed. We're not bringing an offering to God that didn't cost us something. And so, yeah, it's gonna cost. You know, to put God first in your life, it's gonna be difficult in some ways. You're gonna have to make some, some shifts, some changes. But here's what I would say is if, if you don't want any change in your life this year, then just keep doing things the way that you've always done them. But if you wanna go after God in a different way, if you wanna experience God in a different way, what are some things that might need to change? And so like Lisa said, we got four things, four areas, very simple and also very practical. And so maybe not all of them will apply to you, but maybe there'll be one or two ideas that you go, you know what, I can take that and I can put it into motion in my life and I'm gonna see if it doesn't yield some different results than what I'm doing right now. So let's jump into four different first that will shape our year. The first one is we, we learn to give God the first of our year. You know, I don't know how many of you make New Year's resolutions, but, <coughs> um, but I, I make New, Year, New Year's resolutions and then I struggle. I'll just be transparent. I struggle to, to keep, anybody else have a testimony on I struggle to even remember your, uh, what they were. Like, I <laughs> yeah. forgot them already. Yeah. Great. Well, it's the second week of January and regardless of how you have started your year off, I just wanna encourage you that there's still time. There's still time to get to, to start this year off right with God. And you know, a couple, we do a couple things in our house intentionally um, to start our year out right. Um, we do the 21 day fast. Anybody joining us at the 21 day fast? Um, if you, like Josh said, there's 10 days left. So if you are not joining us, you're welcome to do a 10 day fast. Um, but we do a 21 day fast and why do we do that? We decide to do that every year because we want to posture ourselves to say, God, we don't wanna go into this year without you. We want your presence, your power to show up this year. We wanna see you move. And so, so with that, we're just gonna take, we are gonna break out of our normal rhythm. We're gonna change some things that we do every day for 21 days so that we remember, we put God first, we seek him for the year. And you know, one word from the Lord, if God speaks to you one word, it can change everything, right? It can change everything. It's great, and I just wanna encourage you, if you, if you got it this year, you, know, you, you don't need any help, <laughs> you, you can handle the things that are coming, then don't worry about it. But if you recognize that, man, without God, without God's blessing in your life, without God's presence in your life, then, then, then maybe you figure something out. Don't overcomplicate it. It doesn't have to be this 21-day water-only fast. You know, I haven't been given approval from my doctor to do one of those. Uh, I haven't asked him for approval to do one of those. Um, but, but some people are doing Daniel fasts. So some people are doing uh, different, just, you can even fast a meal a day. You know, some people are doing different things for each of the weeks. I know for the first week of the fast, as far as drink, drinking goes, I, the only thing we did is water. 
uh, eliminated, I, well, I say we, I eliminated coffee. Lisa didn't. It's been a sore spot for us um, um, this, this Not week. Not for but, me. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, but so just water only. So when I would hear her brewing coffee in the morning uh, and tempted to say bad words that I said on Christmas Eve under my breath, uh, I would remember that, hey, this is a sacrifice I'm making. God, I need you. I'm, I'm gonna turn my attention towards you. Um, for food, we've done kind of a paleo uh, diet for this, this first 21 days and, and trying to get that under control. But there's some other things that we're doing that I think for us anyways have even had a greater impact in our relationship with God. And I like to think of them as more of a soul fast. You know, you have a food fast, but these are things that we're fasting for the betterment of our souls. And Lisa's kind of uh, led our family in a couple of them. So you wanna share? One of the things that I noticed in our family and in my own self is just a tendency to complain. And I don't know about you, but um, if you've ever fasted complaining, you realize, wow, I don't really have very many words today. You know, culturally speaking, complaining is just part of what we do. It's everyone, you know, at work or whatever, you know, people just complain and, and, and it's usually you jump on the, on the bandwagon. Oh yeah, me too. Oh yeah, that's terrible. Gosh, that's, you know. And so, um, so we've decided that, um, that this year we're going to fast complaining. And um, last year, I, one of the things that we do every year is um, we pray and ask God to give us one word. And this one word is kind of the thread that runs through the whole year for us because, you know, we can make 20 goals and 20 New Year's resolutions, but it's hard to kind of keep track of those and, you know, we try, but um, let's be honest, it's a little difficult. And so, um, so, but one word is not hard to remember. And so we, we always choose a word and we just, we'll mes- memorize scriptures that go with that word. And, um, and so last year my, year my word was joy. And um, to be honest, I, you know, I like to give myself a grade at the end of the year, how I do with joy. Uh, I gave myself a B until the last quarter of the year. And, um, you know, the most joyous time of the year tends to make it a little challenging for me to be joyous when the to-do list is a billion, you know, items long. And, um, and they're just, you know, I just found myself like, Lord, I want to be joyful. I want to, to not, you know... Um, get flustered or frustrated because um, my to-do list is longer than the hours in the day. Um, and so, you know, I, as I was praying about my, my year for, my year for the word, my word for the year this year, I was like, gosh, should I just take a mulligan? Should we just try joy all over again? Um, and I felt like the Lord said, let's rejoice. That's what I want. I want you to rejoice because it's joy with words. It's, it's deciding no matter what comes your way that you're gonna choose to rejoice and choose to honor God with your words. And so that's one of the things that we do we're, when we're, we're fasting, complaining. If um, you'd like to join us, it's, it's really, it really is enlightening. I've been wearing a rubber band on, uh, on one wrist and if I complain, I switch it to the other just so that it is a reminder, it's a physical reminder that hey, like let's, try to, to just rejoice and not complain. The other thing that we're doing is fasting technology. Um, and uh, you know, you never realize how much time you spend on technology until you fast it. And um, suddenly, 
you have a lot more time in the day, a lot more time relationally to spend together. And that, you know, it's one of our priorities this year is to really um, make our, our relationships um, a priority, our relationships with our kids and our parents and our friends. Um, and so just simply taking out some technology, even if it's just during the week, has, um, it's been a really great thing for our family. It's been good, good for our soul. So I'd encourage you guys, you know, if, again, if you didn't jump in last week or whatever, do a 10-day fast and see if it doesn't uh, yield some results for you, kind of some differences in your life. And don't overcomplicate it and don't be legalistic about it and don't judge me if you see me breaking mine out in public. So uh, prayer, but also people. I think when we think about giving God the first of our year, uh, the people that you hang out with are largely gonna shape what kind of year that you have. You know, the circumstances that happen, none of us can control that, but how we respond to them is largely gonna be shaped by the people that we surround ourselves with. And this past uh, Christmas, we were driving home uh, at, between Christmas and New Year from Pastor Josh Walter's father uh, passed away, and he's kind of shared that with us as a church. We were coming home from his service, and we were so inspired by his dad and the way he lived his life. And our small group was talking about this on, on Friday night, how uh, just he was intentional with the relationships that mattered. And and Lisa and I were talking about our own life driving home and said, honestly, we're just, we're not satisfied right now with the relationships that we have. Some of you guys are our friends and you're like, dude, that's offensive. No, we love you, just it's more about us. Like, it's not the people, it's, it's the, how, how intentional we're being with spending time with them. And we've got kids in the, the home and, and lots of stuff going on, lots of built-in excuses, but we kind of drew a line in the sand and said, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're gonna make this a priority. And so we kicked it off uh, this past Friday with our small group. And this weekend is Connect Weekend. And our, our heart for you, and the reason we do that at the beginning of the year is because we know that if you will surround yourselves with the right relationships now, that it's gonna set the tone and it's gonna set the pace for the kind of year that you have. And so if you're here today and you go, man, I would like to put God first in my life this year, but maybe as you reflect on your circle of friends, maybe a lot of them don't share that same priority with you, please take advantage of Connect Weekend. We would love to connect you with some people that might be able to help you go further and, and, and longer in this journey than you'd be able to do on your own. Your campus pastor can tell you how to do that and what steps you can take to get connected uh, at the end of the service. So give God the first of your year. Second thing is give God the first of our month. Give God the first of our month. And when we talk about this, it's really about scheduling and budgeting. How many of you agree that it's real easy, at the beginning of the year, you want to prioritize your relationship with God um, all to find yourself in just a few short weeks that your calendar gets so crazy um, that it just tends to just crowd out that time. You know, one of the things that we have um, instated is just doing a calendar meeting every month and taking a look at all of the things that we have committed our time to. And the goal here is to, to decide, are the things that we are choosing to do day in and day out are they going to help us reach our goals? Because if they're not, and if God has not called us to, to do that, if we, you know, there are obviously some things that you have committed to and you have to continue, but um, I encourage you, set the pace. <coughs> this is, a, this, you know, the beginning of the year is, is a reset button, and I love that. I love that you have an opportunity to, to push the reset button and decide what you're going to prioritize with your time. It's great, it's great. We do that, and we also do it with our budget, too. 
um, you know, try, try to do a, a monthly reset there. Some of you, maybe that's a challenge for you. I know it doesn't come naturally for me to do that, and so Dave Ramsey's financial peace classes have been so helpful for us, and some of those are launching. But we'll do it with our, our tithing, too, and this message isn't about tithing. Uh, but but I, think, I think tithing sometimes gets mistaught that it's all about money, and I just wanna tell you, God really doesn't care much about your money. The only reason he cares about your money is because it matters so much to you and me. You know, and tithing is about our trust. Tithing is about our lives. It's about prioritizing and putting God first. And so we've had a habit in our life of, of, of tithing since before we were married. And um, we were waiting tables back then, both of us in the restaurant industry. And so we would, again, in this, this meeting, we'd go, okay, what did we make? Uh, 300 bucks this week. Well, let's bring $30 cash. Or we used to write these things. They were this rectangular piece of paper. had a number up on the top. Some of you younger people don't understand. Uh, that it's a check, a checkbook. And we would bring those things in and we'd write them. And, uh, and it was important to us. What I love now is that that's automated for us. And a lot of you guys do the same thing. And what's cool about that is that you go, you know what? This is a priority for me. And then you can set it into motion, automate it. And so that we don't have to, uh, you know, we don't miss it or forget about it. And so um, and, and that's just, it's a value to us. And, and let me just be transparent with you about that. Um, we have never gone without. Uh, our first six years of marriage, Lisa was in school the whole time. I think our household income was under $20,000 a year for the first six years of our marriage, or at least first three or four years of our marriage. And we had our, our needs were always met. And God has always been faithful. It's the one area, not that I'm challenging you on, but God said, test me in this and see if I don't. Uh, if I don't overflow your storehouses. And so we have seen God to be faithful in that in our own life, and we'd encourage you to think about that as well. But give God the first of your month. Also, give God the first part of your week. First part of your week. By the way, congratulations. You win on that, you're here, uh, you're worshiping. Uh, we, we worship on Sundays. You know, the church made that shift back in the early days of the church, partially because Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday, but then partially because one, it's the first day of the week. And how cool would it be for you if you gave God 52 weeks this year, gave him the first part of your week? That's one of our goals. We wanna go to church, 52 weeks. In fact, uh, Senator Scott, who's here today, he challenged me on this because he had a commitment when he went to Washington that he was gonna be in church 48 weekends out of the year, and he, he does it, and it's amazing. He's in church way more often than I am, um, and, and I work here, so that's a bit of a challenge. But. Uh, <laughs> But this year, whether I'm in town, whether I'm not, I'm gonna, we're gonna go online, we're gonna go in whatever city we're in, but we're gonna, every week we're gonna start off because it's so important. Remember, it sets the tone and it breaks it down even further. 52 opportunities to go, all right, God, I'm giving you the first of my week. Uh, but it's not just about worship, it's about Sabbath and rest. And, and honestly, I think this is where most of us probably struggle because we love to be productive. We love to get stuff done and we, find value in what we do. And, but, but, but what would it look like for you to set aside one day a week as a Sabbath? Did you know that that is in the 10 Commandments? That in God's top 10, he asks us to set one day aside as holy uh, for worship, for rest. And, and I think it's the one that we have the easiest time violating because it's like, I'm not doing anything wrong, but, but the reality is God designed us to be productive out of our rest, to be productive out of our time with him. And I think one of the best examples of this, I had a chance to go up to Chick-fil-A a couple months ago and we did some learning with their team up at their headquarters in Atlanta. And uh, they were telling the story of Chick-fil-A and how they started it and 
Truett Cathy, who was the founder, he actually worked at another restaurant before he founded Chick-fil-A, and that restaurant was open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And so he knew what that rhythm looked like. And so when he opened Chick-fil-A, it was actually called the Dwarf House initially, and he, he made a decision. And what is that decision? You know it because it's Sunday today, and it irritates you. They're closed on Sunday, right? The one day you're always craving Chick-fil-A, it's closed. And, and so on his 90th birthday, that was the year, it was just a few years ago before he passed away, that was the year that Chick-fil-A became the number one revenue fast food restaurant in the nation, more than McDonald's, more than you know, all the others, number one in the nation. And so they were being interviewed, he was being interviewed, and the, the interviewer said, hey, Truett, do you ever sit around and wonder how much money you've left on the table? Do you ever sit around and wonder how much money have you lost by not being open on Sundays? And Truett, Kathy looks back at him and he says, I can honestly tell you, I've never wondered how much money I've lost by not being open on Sundays. But you know what I have wondered? I've wondered how much money I've made by not being open on Sundays because I can do a whole lot more in six days with God's blessing on my business than I can in seven days doing it by myself. Yeah. Like, Man, that's powerful. Yeah. And I'm not telling you how to run your business, okay? Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty cool. I'm not, I'm not telling you, I know there are a lot of different ways to do things and, and it's, it's not a statement of you should run your business this way, but you should run your life that way. You should believe that God can do more through you and in you in six days with, with honoring him and the Sabbath, this thing that, by the way, he didn't make that rule for him, he made it for us. We, we work better, we operate better. If, if you gave yourself one day where you're delivered from the, the need to be productive, just set it aside worship and rest. And, and the last one is the first part of our day. That's first right. So we day. have a little bit of a challenge for you and for us. And it's something that we, um, you know, we'll do sometimes and, and other times we kind of get off track and then try to get back on. But we're going to call <coughs> it the first 15 challenge. Like Josh talked about how um, what you do first in your day really sets the tone for your day. And so um, what would your life look like if 365 days this year, um, you gave God the first 15 minutes, just the first 15 minutes right when you wake up, instead of, you know, jumping on Instagram or Facebook or turning on, popping on the news, um, you just gave 15 minutes. Maybe the first five minutes you spend just reading his word. You know, last year we did Year in the Word, and it was a lot of reading, and it was really good, and... Um, this year, Josh and I have chosen to, to do things a little bit differently where we're going to study one book of the Bible per month. And so we get a little more of a deep dive on a couple books that we choose. And so this month, we are doing Ephesians. And Ephesians is six chapters. So it, it's not that it's gonna take all that long. So first five minutes of just reading his word. The second five minutes, I would just encourage you to worship. When you start your day acknowledging how big and how, how good and how powerful our God is, it's, it starts your day out right. It gets your focus in the right place. And then the last five minutes, I would just encourage you to pray. Some people journal, I like to journal and just write out my prayers. Um, but we all have things that we're carrying, things that are heavy, things that are hard. Um, or maybe, maybe it's a good season for you. And just taking five minutes to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this season. Thank you for, for what you have blessed us with. 15 minutes of your day, and I think 
that it will change your year. Yeah, yeah. So can you do that? You think you do 15 minutes a day? I, I, I'd say, I wanna say, let's try that for 365 days, but try it this week. And tell me if, if you don't yield a little bit more of a blessing out of your life than you do watching the morning show or scrolling through your Facebook feed. It'll make a difference. It's a small shift. It's a sacrificial shift. It's, gonna, it's not gonna come easy. It's not a, maybe a rhythm that you're normally used to, but man, will it ever make a difference in your life. You know, as we kind of close, I, I wanna ask you to reflect. What's first in your life? What's first? If you just had to be honest and go in the way that I spend my time and money and my thoughts, what's first in my life? And before we go on to all of the other things, I just wanna plead with you, God first, God first. Put God first in your life. Put God first this year. Put God first every single day and you're gonna see some things fall into place. You know, there's a, a passage uh, that is in Proverbs chapter three. And uh, I love it. Uh, Pastor Chris Russo taught on Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. But then verse six says, he taught on that a couple weeks ago, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know what? You may have days you can't give him 15 minutes. Give him your first thought. Acknowledge him. God, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it. I'm gonna acknowledge you in all my ways and he will make your path straight. And then he says a couple verse later, verses later, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. That we would experience God in such a way that the overflow would affect the people around us, the people at our work, the, the families that we live with, that, that everybody would be impacted because of the overflow. And that's the kind of thing that happens when we learn to put God first in our life. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you. I thank you for this incredible group of people, this incredible network of campuses. And God, I, I have no idea what you have in store for each of us, but I have a sense that you wanna do something new this year, that you wanna do something great this year. And I thank you, Lord, that as we seek to put you first in our lives, to seek you first, to seek your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, that you will provide for us the things that we need. Lord, you will sustain us through those challenging times. And God, that beyond all of that, you actually went first. Lord, you, you first loved us. You made the first move by sending your best, your son, Jesus, to die for us. And so God, we just declare that we wanna put you first in our lives. And we pray, pray that you would lead us and guide us and make our paths straight this year. In Jesus' name, amen.